Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. For the first time in 18 years, the Helena Senators are the American Legion baseball champions of the Treasure State. Hello, this is Coulter Nuanez. The Senators posted a 7-5 win over the top-seeded Billings Royals in the deciding game to clinch the state double-A championship in Great Falls on Sunday. The Royals entered the tournament on a 20-game winning streak before defeating the Billings Scarlets and the Senators to advance to the championship part of the bracket undefeated. But Helena bested the Kalispell Lakers 4-3 early Sunday to set up the championship bout. Both the Senators and the Royals still advanced to the Northwest region double-A tournament next week in Gillette, Wyoming. Former Missoula Sentinel standout Shelby Schwain is headed to Montana State. The former Lady Grizz basketball player will participate in jumps for the MSU track and field program. Schwain is the daughter of Shannon Kate Schwain, the leading scorer in Lady Grizz history and the head coach of the UN women's basketball team for four seasons leading up to 2020. Shelby's father, Brian Schwain, was the head coach of the Montana track team for 12 years, but was actually a record-setting decathlete at MSU back in the early 1990s. Shelby Schwain was the class double-A state champion in the high jump back in the spring of 2018. And finally, former Montana girls track and field athlete of the year, Angelica Street, will transfer to Montana State from Texas A&M. The Columbia Falls native set Montana's all-class record in the javelin two springs ago. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. As to why they don't just play Olympic sports on the TV all the time. Every time the Olympics is on, I think to myself, I would watch this all the time. Give me the high jump at any time. And every time they say, and she won the 2019 and 2020 World Championships. And I'm like, why isn't that on? Give me that on TV. I want the (laughs) National Championships, the World Championships. I want the Grand Prix, all of it. And I'm not just talking track and field either. Give me the gymnastics. Give me the swimming. I would so much rather watch any championship-level Olympic sport than some midweek July baseball game. Not to insult any of our baseball fans out there. No, I love baseball, too. I agree with you. And the thing is, on the Pac-12 network, they show, like, Pac-12 meets and stuff, and but there's professional leagues going on at the same time. Why aren't they? Sh- it's crazy, man. It is crazy. Nuana is now 102.90 ESPN Missoula. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on a Monday. Brooks Nuanez in studio with me. Coulter Nuanez doubling up your Nuanez fun. Broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula, but they boast the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Visit nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com. 
Com. Before we dive back into the Montana Football Hour, I had a little impromptu interview with Susan Tower from the Missoula Education Foundation, but always happy to do our part, spread the word around the great state of Montana about all things involving community events and sports and things like that. But before we jump into our, uh, uh, back into, excuse me, the Montana Football Hour, first of all, if you missed anything from the first Oh, 50 minutes of the Montana Football Hour or anything from our number one in general. You can find that on the podcast, Nuana's Now Podcast. N-U-A-N-E-Z will get you there. We talked uh, key storylines coming into this football season for Montana, Montana State. First and foremost, the power, the paramount storylines as well as then the storylines for uh, specific position groups. And we'll continue that uh, here in just a minute. But first, time for a prep extra. It's presented by Farmer State Bank. Farmer State Bank you might not know how much your home's worth. It could be worth more than ever. You can use that equity to make a difference. You can pay out some of your high-interest loans. You can finance a remodel. Build that addition you always wanted. Start the process online at FarmersEBank.com. Farmer State Bank has helped Montanans prosper since 1907. Experience the difference at a location near you. Farmer State Bank also a proud supporter of prep athletics across the state of Montana. Helena Senators, state champions in American Legion baseball for the first time in 18 years. What a way to do it. Six games the Senators had to appear in. They had to endure three consecutive one-run elimination games to get all the way to uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon's do-or-die against the Billings Royals. They end up beating the Royals 7-5. A massive disappointment for the Royals only because they came into the tournament on a 20-game winning streak and then won two more in a row to get to the championship round undefeated. But Helena does knock out the Royals twice, including 7-5 to five yesterday afternoon. And that's the first Class AA state championship for the Helena Senators since 2003. Pure joy for the program for the players, head coach John Burnett told 406mtsports.com. They put it all on the line today. We had, when we had our backs against the wall, we had a talk. Our super seniors, Cy, Ethan, Caden, they all let the guys know that they didn't want it to end. They wanted to keep playing and keep playing for each other. The ability to come out and win two games today is awesome, and I'm super proud of them. So congratulations to the Hell and the Senators uh, for their American Legion baseball title. Both the Senators and the Royals headed to the Northwest Regional Baseball Tournament in Gillette, Wyoming next week. Diving back into the Montana Football Hour continuation of our number one, but we got Brooks Nuanas in the studio here, so let's keep it rolling. It's presented by Skyline Sports. Skyline Sports every day, every season. Visit Skyline Sports today. $8 for a month, $90 for a year to subscribe. Please subscribe. We promise it'll be worth your while. Andrew Houghton's back in the fold with us as well, so we'll have a prevalence of content on Grizz football, Bobcat football, and the rest of the Big Sky Conference as well. Another key storyline for the Grizzlies coming into uh, this fall camp, Brooks. Samari Torre is no longer playing for the Grizzlies. He is now at the University of Nebraska. The Grizzlies still have Sammy Akim. He should be one of the best receivers, not only in the uh, Big Sky Conference, but in the entire FCS. And then they have a lot of talented guys. I'm not going to say young guys because Mitch Roberts is no longer young. Gabe Solcer is no longer young. But they have a, a, a lot of talented guys. And then the guy that's kind of... We love to, uh, to monitor sort of the internal hype of guys. You, you, we kind of hear about guys via watching practice or hearing the scuttle from programs a little bit earlier than maybe they start producing in games. And the guy that's sort of gotten a lot of buzz from the receivers has been Ryan Simpson, uh, six foot six receiver from Bozeman, Montana. He'll be a redshirt freshman this upcoming fall. But what do you think of just sort of this um, battle to replace Samari Toure for the Montana offense? 
you know, we, we talked about it with a little bit with Montana State safeties and Ryland Orr, but I feel similar with Gabe Sulser is if it's not now, when? A guy who's had so much hype. Yep. Prep hype. Preseason hype, Montana fall camp hype. Yep. You see him pop. He's had some kick returns that were impressive. He's had a long touchdown playing receiver, but not very consistent. I know he's battled a hamstring injury. Sometimes those highly tuned athletes struggle with that style of of of, of, of muscle injury. But Gabe Solcer seems to be the kind of guy that always was not only given the opportunity, but had earned the opportunity to explode onto the scene, and it just hasn't happened for him. So I think that I have to lean on Gabe Solzer filling that role, but what do you think about kind of his evolution, and, and do you think that he has enough of the tank or has a, enough of a ceiling to reach that next level? Well, because the, the young man has dreams of uh, going to medical school, it was almost a requirement that he didn't redshirt in uh, his first season in 2018. Has that changed, though, with the COVID year? I'm not sure. Um, I, I plan on asking Gabe Solcer that uh, sometime during fall camp because uh, this very well could be his last season. Right, exactly. Uh, if, if he is still on that four-year timeline. I mean, he's a brilliant kid. He's a 4.0 student, so I'm certain that he's on track academically, but maybe he's getting a couple other undergrads or who knows what the plan is. We'll find that out for you. But he's going to be the primary punt returner for the first time in his career because Jerry Lou McGee is no longer with the Grizzlies. He's also going to get a lot more opportunities in the past game, mainly because of Samari Toure's departure. Um, but also, I just think that they're going to continue to diversify offensively. I mean, he he was sort of the standout guy during the spring at catching passes. Part of that because they were trying to take some miles off Sammy Kim. But I think that Solcer has all the talent in the world. It just really it comes down to opportunities because it's not even that he's missed opportunities. He just hasn't gotten very he many. He hasn't gotten very many. And I think a lot of that's due to Bobby Houck is one of those kind of coaches that says the best ability is availability. Right. If you're not practicing because of muscle injury, you start to fall in that depth chart and you're not going to get a ton of opportunity. But it seems to me he falls into a very small category that would just be crazy if he doesn't have a big season. And right. is a guy that plays all four years, a guy that everyone knows, a guy that people get excited for when they see him on the field, and a guy that ends up with, what, 30 catches in his career would seem crazy. Yeah, but it also would not be that anomalous. I mean, it took Jefferson Heidelberger until he was a fifth-year senior to have a big year. Uh, Levander Seegers was a guy that was known from day one for the Grizzlies and didn't really get many offensive touches until he was way further down in his career as well. So uh, we'll see, but I, I believe in Gabe Solcer because I know, I know Gabe better than a lot of these guys just because of you know, covering him all the way from high school and just the family connections and all that stuff. Uh, but he wants it, and he can do it. It's just a matter of doing it if he does get the opportunity. Keelan White, another guy to watch out for for the Montana receivers. Uh, you heard it here first, Nuanas now. Another storyline for the Cats. If they really are going to run uh, a 5-DB look that includes a nickel and not a third safety, then they need some corners. And uh, Tyrell Thomas is a proven guy. Lavelle Price Jr. is a guy that's made waves internally, but has not re- really played that much in games. And then I think the the uh, the plan for Jeff Choate was he was going to try to find the best two out of a group of young guys that includes Miles Jackson, who was impressive in the spring, um, Eric Zambrano, who, who was going to be a sophomore, who I know that Montana State liked a lot, Devin Davis, another guy who's a tall, long corner, and then maybe James Campbell, a guy who's grinded away without really playing a position at MSU and now is playing corner for the first time in his collegiate career. A lot of talent, Brooks, not a lot of proven guys here, no headliner. So are you concerned about Montana State's corners? I'm not. I I think that 
some of those guys you named, I think Eric Zambrano is a go gator. I mean, he's a long six foot six one corner uh, that is physical at the point of attack, physical with it with, with his hands at the line of scrimmage. Um, but you know, I think the guy that got the most reps was the converted wide receiver in James Campbell. I mean, a guy that you cannot keep off the field became a gunner on punts and a guy that was on the outside on kickoffs. A guy that played a bunch of outside receiver that then started to make tackles all over the field. So he's the kind of guy all the way from Florida, that I think that you stay this long and you have this much production, just not necessarily stat-wise prolifically, but playing on the, getting on the field and playing such a big role, especially on special teams, I think that James Campbell probably ha- gets a lot of snaps there, especially if he stays healthy. But they have some young guys, and I think that there's a lot of depth there. Jeff Choke continued to over-recruit that position, uh, brought guys in over and over again to compete, and you know you end up losing guys at that position. One of the one of the positions in college football that if you don't play early, especially if you're a big-time guy, you kind of find a new home. There's a big group of them there. Um, I, as you mentioned, I think Miles Davis can also play, but that Eric Zambrano kid is really interesting. I think that he might, you know, we'll see if he can push during fall camp. They have the talent. That's the truth. Uh, and that corner, the... Uh, the talent at this level is the most important element. So many other positions, you have to learn how to play. The corner, you have to have the talent first, and then learning how to play right. is, is secondary. So I do think they have the talent because Jeff Choate, he always had the strategy of bringing in way more guys than you think you want or need, and that's why they have so many unproven guys despite the fact that they only really have graduated one guy from the program that Choate built, and that's Damian Washington. Everybody else, whether it was Jalen Cole or Nigel Hale, or Darren Gardenhire, or the Gibson Twins, or on down line. All those guys just left the program at some point. Uh, so it hasn't necessarily been a, a developmental position, more a plug-and-play position. Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Speaking of cornerbacks, uh, Brooks Nuanez in studio with me, breaking down all position battles uh, across the board for both Montana and Montana State. The Grizzlies had no cornerbacks. Now the Grizzlies have many cornerbacks, including some really talented guys like Justin Ford. it would be interesting to see which one of the two Oregon State guys, Omar Hicks-Anu or Trajan Cotton, play corner. I know they were thinking about moving Cotton back to safety maybe. Corbin Walker was a, a really talented kid as a freshman back in 2019. And then Aunt Joe Soy, who is a... Uh, kid from Southern Utah who was impressive in the spring, also in the mix. So just broadly, Brooks, the defense that the Grizz have been running is probably the most high-pressure, blitz-happy defense in the league. The fact that they were running that while playing two converted receivers at corner and then they were getting away with it to a certain extent is a testament to the scheme, but also the fortitude of the guys. But it seems to me that if even two of these guys emerge as lockdown guys, if the Grizz keep bringing the heat, that's going to ter- take this defense from swarming and sometimes fearsome to lights out and could be among the best units in the conference and maybe even the country. I agree. I thought I thought we saw a lot during the couple spring games we got to see. I thought there was some impressive uh, defensive back play. With with this Bobby Houck scheme, or uh, rather Brent Bear scheme, you start to see a little bit of a different run fits. So we talk about defenses that like to flatten you out and push you to the sideline and literally cover every gap you can, go one to the other, and you hope that the, that the sideline makes the tackle, in, in theory. Bobby Houck runs a little bit different style defense, um, and, and, and with Bears' high-pressure looks, you start to see those corners not have as many run responsibilities. With less run responsibility, you have so much focus on shutting down the guy in front of you that it really gives you a little bit more of an identity as a corner. You don't have to necessarily be in the run game as much 
I like that for what this defense has. And you can rec- convert receivers in that situation because you don't have as many guys that have to that have to provide run support. So I really liked that whole slew of young guys. As you mentioned, Corbin Walker was a guy that they recruited out of high school that I thought showed flashes early. I think he'll kind of take the next step. Some of those Oregon State transfers, I thought Trajan Cotton was more of a safety look. Really depends, though, because in the last couple of years, the, the Grizz have also played some three-safety looks. I think that he could play in that big nickel role as well. So I like a lot of those young guys. I think that is a position that they solidified pretty well, especially with some, some transfers coming in. And it'll be so interesting to see, too, because the scheme itself is unorthodoxed. Kent Bear's scheme certainly is unorthodoxed. There's a lot of elements, though, that they were playing because of their deficiencies in personnel. So how does the scheme evolve with more talented additions. They seem to have shored up the edges quite a bit. Um, Patrick O'Connell is a real deal player who can come off the edge as a pass rusher. They have a, a string of guys that can play defensive end, although uh, the, the departure of Braden Deming does hurt a little bit. But you know, guys like uh, Joe Babros and um, Justin Belknap, some FBS transfers have sort of solidified that front line. The linebackers, which I think that the the – I don't think there really is a battle to play next to Jace Lewis. I just think that Braxton Hill and Marcus Weldell, and maybe to a certain extent, Cale Edwards, will just rotate in there. I think they're just going to roll and play with their hair on fire. But it just—it seems like they're way more solid than Grizzlies are at every single position. I think if they had an elite pass rusher emerge, an elite interior defensive lineman emerge, and uh, one of the safeties could take a step to be an all-league player along the level of Robbie Houck, that could then be the thing that takes this defense into the stratosphere. But do you expect the schematics of the situation to change now that Montana has uh, just a breadth of talent across the board? I, I agree with what you're saying, like, uh, you know, the broad premise wise, but I do think that when you have some really high level players like Jace Lewis and the scheme is, to, is in a way to funnel the ball to them. That you continue to do that, that you continue to rack up tackles with those inside linebackers, as well as that 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 safety running the alley, which Robbie Houck has done so well over the last couple of years. But you look at what Dante Olson's production was for the two years as a starter. You look at what Jace Lewis did last season as well. I think that you continue to funnel to your main tackle, uh, your, your big time playmakers and the guys in the middle that are making the most tackles. I think it'll continue to look like that, but I do agree that you can start to manipulate, especially on the edge, more of a pass rush situation than, the, than you do on first and second down. Nuan is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Brooks Nuanez in studio with me, Colton Nuanez. Now here's a question for, it's the Montana Football Hour, by the way. Here's a question that's pertinent to both programs. Nary a kicker or punter returns at either of these schools. That in itself is strange because Bobby Houck has always had some of the best specialists in the league. Jeff Chope uh, had the reputation as a special teams guy, but I actually thought that probably one of the, the bigger deficiencies, not deficiencies, but I thought Montana State was very average on special teams during the Choate era. Despite Choate, they were safe. They played safe. They, they were safe, right. Yeah. Despite the fact that Choate's been the special teams coordinator at Florida and Washington and Boise State, you know, you think, you think that they would be better. I mean, Choate had a hand in Dante Pettis being the greatest partner turner in the history of college football. And I don't think the Cats scored a... Uh, special teams touchdown during Chode era. Regardless, a ton of special teams guys. Um, you know, the kicking at Montana State has been a saga to be sure, from Gabe Peppinger to Luke Daly to Tristan Bailey and everybody else in between. 
Uh, the punting, I thought Jared Padmas was probably the glue that bound, probably the most underrated player of the Choate era. I mean, Padmas was great. He was Agreed. a great role punter, and he was just did his job always. But then at Montana, uh, Bobby Houck is still looking for that uh, Dan Carpenter, Brody McKnight-esque type guy who can just be automatic all the time. So I guess the question here, though, is, Brooks, how big of a concern is it when you talk about you know, Cam McCaps or a true freshman from Building Central, Brian Buscini from Helena Capital, Carter Gilman from Whitefish, both those guys redshirt freshmen. That's sort of the core guys at Montana. At Montana State, Bryce Layton, a highly regarded punter, but he's going to be a true freshman. Uh, same thing with Luke Pavlik, the potential kicker. How big of a pressure is that for either side when you're talking about true freshmen or redshirt freshmen being thrown into the fire for the first time? Is it sustainable? It's massive pressure. I, I don't like that set, set up at all. At all. I mean, especially Bobby Houck is so, so special teams oriented, and, and and the team as a whole is a do-your-job style of program. And if you start missing kicks as a freshman, the whole thing can fall apart quick, especially in Washington Grizzly, no matter how loud or quiet it gets for your own field goal situation. Not easy place to kick no matter what. The house is full every game. And Montana State's similar. I think Bryce Layton is probably the best of that group. I mean, he was a uh, a unanimous All-American in high school. Under Armour All-American, yep. I mean, a really impressive player. I, I thought it was so funny that, you know, Choke gets the one of the best punter, if not the best punter in the country, um, and loses a special teams coordinator in, in <laughs> B.J. Robertson. But one of my favorite parts of it is they give Bryce Layton number 37. You know, the, the, the hollowed Grizz number, they give it to their all-American punter. How petty does it get? Well, I think it'll always continue to reach new levels. Uh, the kicking situation is, is crucial because, as you mentioned, some of the best Grizz teams in history, we keep talking about how far do we look back? How much do we compare? Some of the best teams in Grizz history, as well as Montana State history, have had really dominant kicking units, as mostly from the field goal side. You talk about Montana State, when they reached when they reached number one in the country multiple years in a row, they're talking about having one of the best kickers in the country. So I think it's crucial. I don't like the setup of having those freshmen, but you never know. Sometimes when you start a freshman who gets hot, they have amazing careers that end up leading your, you know, being all-time historic scoring leaders in your program's history. And it all starts, the only way that happens is if you play early. Also, if you put a lot of emphasis on special teams the way Montana does, I think that the pressure can sometimes, you know, pressure makes diamonds. If you understand and you can rise up to meet those team expectations, sometimes you get the, the best kicking units in the, in the country. The Bobcats... Ran the ball about 70% of the time over the last two seasons. They're the only team to lead the league in rushing other than Cal Poly since Cal Poly joined the league in 2012. I'll say that again. The Bobcats are the only team other than Cal Poly, the triple option Mustangs, to lead the league in rushing since the Mustangs led the league, or since joined the league, excuse me, 2012. It's consequential because Cal Poly leads the country in rushing every year because they run the triple option. So for Montana State to outrush Cal Poly, that shows you, first of all, how one-dimensional their offense is. Second of all, how much they prioritize the run and how prolific it's been. But third of all, also just sort of the regression of Cal Poly. But that's here nor there to debate or talk about. When they did throw it, the reason, one of the main reasons why Montana State won seven games in a row to reach the FCS semifinals for the first time since 1985 was the fact that Tucker Rovig went from a ticking time bomb waiting for a meltdown to adequate and to then down the stretch, sometimes kind of good. And uh, he kept it in between the ditches in terms of what he was demanded to do. Basically, their strategy just became handle the ball well, take care of the football, and uh, when you need it, 
chuck it deep to Travis Johnson or Kevin Cassis. I think that despite the fact that Montana State has been so run heavy, the two most irreplaceable guys from the 2019 team are the two captains that played wide receiver for the Bobcats. There's a ton of talent in the wide receiver ranks, but is it even possible or fathomable for anybody to step up and replace Travis Johnson and Kevin Cassis, a couple of guys that were borderline, if not surefire, pros at MSU in 2019? It's going to be tough, man. I mean, both those players are really good. And, and you talked about Cal Poly running the triple option. Well, I don't know if you've ever heard of Montana State's offense. It's called the single option. Uh, <laughs> it's a really unique power run offense where there's a one running back and they hand it to him. Uh, so as far as deep play re- receiving threats, I see this team. We we mentioned in the spring, we, we saw Montana State complete passes to tight ends. I mean, what a concept, right? We also saw Montana State run a bit of play action. I mean, the way that you start to develop some of the passing game is to take pressure off the quarterback, get a mobile pocket, a little bit of a mobile base by the court. All, all three of their quarterbacks are, are relatively mobile as far as the, this level of college football goes. So I do like some of the receivers, and I do think that there's a little bit of a, of a higher ceiling production-wise than there has been the last couple of years. I mean, Lance McCutcheon has proven that he can take the top off a of defense. Uh, I think now he is a fifth-year senior from Bozeman, Montana, a guy that can really can accelerate on the outside. But I thought the guy that flashed the most was Jaden Smith. For sure. I mean, he is all of 6'5". He is one of the more pro-looking receivers I've seen in a while. I mean, definitely nowhere in the skill set of a Samia Kim, but kind of the poor man's body-wise. You know, a guy that's... I mean, I would say he's at a rich man. But I mean, Akim's got bigger length, bigger hands, stronger hands. Akim is also a ferocious worker and such a hardcore competitor. Remains to be seen if Jaden Smith has that sort of uh, mental sharpness. But... Just looking at him with his shirt off, I mean, he's real impressive. He's more muscular than Sammy Akem. Really impressive. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, Akem just—he's Akem strides so well and he moves so well for how big he is. I, but I do think Smith, to, to your point, Smith is a tremendous potential. He he has a ton of upside. And he can get his hips down in a, in a different way, Sammy Akim, that is, than a guy like Jaden Smith, who's a much younger player. But Charles Brown is also a fast player um, out of Texas, you know, a guy that can run sub-11 in the 100. Um, and Tavion Williams, a guy that uh, I thought was really impressive as far as moving from corner. They brought him in as a corner, move him over to receiver. Um Amandre Williams, younger brother, a guy, another athletic guy that is going to provide a spark, especially in the slot, which I think this team can run different concepts, especially when you talk about three wide receivers. We talk about on the show, the way to override any defense is, is in a trips formation. You have to, three verticals will stress any defense no matter what, even if you're playing man-to-man. So you talk about this kind of offense we talk about Brent Began having a little bit more of a quarterback background. I think we see a little bit more trips look as well as a little bit more crossing routes, a little bit more flood concept out of the play action. You get guys in motion. I really like the idea of some of these receivers being able to catch the ball on the move and get upfield in a much different way than the shot plays that Montana State's been running um, in between their single, their prolific single option running game. The other uh, nuance is now 1290 ESPN Missoula Montana Football Hour. The other thing I had down here, I think this is actually sort of just a hypothetical and moot point, is who's going to get carries behind Isaiah Fonsa. Here's the thing. Brent Vegan has a reputation as a quarterback coach, but in reality, Wyoming has been as run heavy as Montana State has been during the seven years Vegan's been the play caller at Wyoming. I think Vegan um, remains to be seen how he leads the Bobcats, but he's no dummy. I think he's got great offensive acumen. He's been around the block. He's had a lot of success. I don't think he's foolish enough to go too far outside the box. I think he's going to realize, A, I got multiple seniors on my offensive line. I got three of the best offensive linemen in the league. 
I have one of the best running backs in the league, and I have perhaps the best running back depth in the league. So the question was, who's going to get carries behind Isaiah Fonse? Well, I think the answer is everybody. I think Demarius Hosey, Elijah Elliott, Lane Sumner, and Jahari Martin are all going to get carries because even though there might be some uh, a little bit of an advancement in what Montana State does in the red zone and stuff like that or sort of the diversity of their offense, they're still going to be run first, run foremost, and run often. And so I think that uh, they're still going to get a lot of running backs to get a lot of carries. It's true. And that, I mean... Everyone you just named there, Demarius Hosey is now, is he going to just be a redshirt freshman? He's, that, he's just going to be a redshirt freshman because count, he, he right. played 2019, just four games. Right. And then, yeah, he's got his eligibility extended. He's an impressive back. I mean, he looks the part as much as anyone I've seen in a while. He's a little bit taller than, you know, some of the backs that we see at the FCS level. But in, and Lane Sumner is another guy who's got a lot of carries in games. And Lane Sumner's produced. Uh, Jahari Martin, my gosh. You know, if you haven't seen Jahari Martin, um, he wins the weightlifting Olympics uh, on the football side in a million different ways plus one. I mean, he's all of it. Big kid, 5'9". 225, you know, put together. Jahari Martin, as in spot carries, can really put a hurt on defense. But what does it look like for Troy Anderson? You know, Colton, how many carries does Troy Anderson get this year? Um, we know that he's struggled with, with injury for, you know, multiple years in a row. After his first team all league quarterback season, uh, Troy Anderson has really struggled with a knee injury, a shoulder injury. Um, will they give him carries this year? You know, I don't really know. I think that you can't ever see him. And not be <laughs> you. You used to call it <laughs> Jeff Choate's shiny rock. He found him in the river, and he can't stop rubbing him. He's just like a river otter. When you see, <laughs> it's true though, because when you see Troy Anderson, it doesn't matter if you're like, man, that's the best outside linebacker I've ever seen. You still watch him run, and you're like, how do we not get that guy the ball? He he's just. I I know I've talked exhaustively about Troy Anderson on this show. I know I'm not a professional college football coach, but this will be my uh, count them up 15th season covering college football. And you know, I sit next to scouts in press boxes. I talk about this relentlessly. I'm not trying to proclaim my expertise right now. All I'm saying to you is that I don't think this is opinion. I think it's an objective fact. Troy Anderson is at his best when he's either running away from people or or chasing people down. That Therefore, putting him in the box as inside linebacker is like putting James Harden on the perimeter without the ball in his hands. It's like putting Damian Lillard off the ball next to a other another ball-dominant point guard. Even if those guys are still all-star caliber players, it's not the best thing for them. Trey Anderson is the best when he has the ball in his hands and he is running away from you or when you have the ball in your hands and he is chasing you down. And so I just think it's going to be very hard for Montana State to ever see him, for the coaching staff to see him and think, man, yeah, we're just going to fully roll with Troy on defense. The guy scored 13 touchdowns of 65 yards or more in 2018. It's the most untouchable record. 13 of them. The most untouchable record in the history of the Big Sky Conference. I don't think it's an official record, but that record will never be broken. We will not see a guy score 13 60-plus yard touchdowns in one year ever. I would. I wonder if it's the college football record because that's an absurd stat. While and, playing linebacker. <laughs> while playing linebacker and getting bludgeoned across the board. Regardless, I just think it's hard to not think of him not touching the ball. So I do think he'll have... A little bit of a role uh, in the uh, bypad offense. Last question here on the Montana Football Hour. Brooks Nuana is in studio with me. Colter Nuana is. It's Nuana's now. Just the analysis of the overall scheme change at Montana State. I think from a detail standpoint, I think the number one storyline for Montana is can they continue to believe that they have made the strides that they want to believe that they've made? And can they continue to 
all for one, one for all. Just love being Grizzlies because that's what Bobby Houck wants it to be all about. Party with your teammates. We're going to overwhelm people with how many dudes that we roll at you. I think that's it. The detailed storyline of Montana State, though, beyond Brent Vegan and, and can't, what, how do the players react to his coaching style and the differences from Choate, but it's the defensive scheme change because the, the players on the roster were recruited for specific positions in a 3-4 defense, which is becoming more orthodox, but is a sort of unorthodox scheme. So how does Chase Benson go from playing uh, a nose to a true defensive tackle? How does Amandre Williams go from playing Buck to a true DN? How does Daniel Hardy go from playing Sam to a true DN? How does Troy Anderson go to, from playing Sam to now a true will linebacker? How does uh, Ty Okada transition to safety? How does all of these things play out? Your thoughts on Freddie Banks, defensive coordinator for Montana State, and his proposed defensive scheme change. It's one of the hardest changes in football is to go from a true odd man front to a, a balanced, even front in a 4-3. I mean, just you have different styles of talent on the field all of a sudden. You take a linebacker off the field and you put a defensive tackle on the field. You really have to change the way that you fit the run in a prolific way. So I think it's very interesting what that looks like. As I mentioned, I think it's one of the harder changes. I've seen that the, you know, the Grizz have changed now from even man to odd man to even man and now to a little bit of a hybrid. Um, and every year, you know, those first couple games, the defense is a little different when you start to change like that as far as the production, as far as known assignments, especially for the linebacking crew. Everything in front of you becomes different. Every gap that you are used to seeing open or closed now is honestly the opposite gap. Everything across the front is different. Um, it's not. It, I thought it was odd that they would go for that change, especially year one, especially for a first-time coordinator. What does Freddie Banks lean on so much that that front is what he is interested in running? Or what has he leaned on in his past to make it that that front is a language that he speaks? That's really interesting of how he will be able to get teach that language, how fluid can the Bobcats become at that language, um, and how fast does that happen? I think it's probably, as you mentioned, Brent Vegan's going to run the ball on offense. Uh, but defensively is where the Cats have been so dominant, and their ability to run the ball on offense has come from that defensive side. What does that look like early on? Can they survive you know, the non-conference schedule and, and, and make sure that they have you know, a high winning percentage going into the conference because everything relies on college football. Every, every single game matters, um, and a new defensive scheme will be challenging. The FCS uh, Stats Performance released their All-American squad, preseason All-American squad today. I count them up, 23 players from the Big Sky Conference named a list. I'll just give you a couple of the highlights. Preseason offensive MVP Eric Berrier, the quarterback from Eastern Washington, is on the list on the first-team offense. Troy Anderson is on the first-team list defensively, as is Trey Walker from Idaho, who is the preseason defensive player of the year in the Big Sky Conference. Elijah Dotson, one of uh, our favorites in the league, Sacramento State running back, was a first-team All-American uh, preseason selection at the, as an all-purpose player. Sammy Kim from Montana landed on the second team. Braxton Jones. Here's a guy that I am uh, very curious and interested to analyze. Braxton Jones is a six foot six foot seven, three hundred and ten pounder out of Southern Utah. Many evaluators around the league say that he benefited from the spring football season in the Big Sky more than any other guy. He is now appearing on draft boards. I had not heard of this guy coming out of last year, and he's now appearing on draft boards and is a preseason All American. And so Utah, they've had a lot of really good offensive linemen throughout their time uh, in the Big Sky Conference. So he's on the team as well. Jace Lewis, the second-team selection, and uh, others from around the Treasure State include Robbie Houck, 
a third team selection, as well as Matt O'Donohue, a third team selection at long snapper. Uh, Robbie Houck, of course, a first team selection at safety. That's it for the Montana Football Hour. We're going to talk NFL, a big NBA trade, and everything in between. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home in Missoula Sports Center. For the first time in 18 years, the Helena Senators are the American Legion baseball champions of the Treasure State. Hello, this is Coulter Nuanez. The Senators posted a 7-5 win over the top-seeded Billings Royals in the deciding game to clinch the state double-A championship in Great Falls on Sunday. The Royals entered the tournament on a 20-game winning streak before defeating the Billings Scarlets and the Senators to advance to the championship part of the bracket undefeated. But Helena bested the Kalispell Lakers 4-3 early Sunday to set up the championship bout. Both the Senators and the Royals still advanced to the Northwest Region AA Tournament next week in Gillette, Wyoming. Former Missoula Sentinel standout Shelby Schwain is headed to Montana State. The former Lady Grizz basketball player will participate in jumps for the MSU track and field program. Schwain is the daughter of Shannon Kate Schwain, the leading scorer in Lady Grizz history and the head coach of the UN women's basketball team for four seasons leading up to 2020. Shelby's father, Brian Schwain, was the head coach of the Montana track team for 12 years, but was actually a record-setting decathlete at MSU back in the early 1990s. Shelby Schwain was the class AA state champion in the high jump back in the spring of 2018. And finally, former Montana Girls Track and Field Athlete of the Year, Angelica Street, will transfer to Montana State from Texas A&M. The Columbia Falls native set Montana's all-class record in the Javelin two springs ago. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. one of my favorites and most underrated musical acts. Can't wait to check out Summer of Soul. Have you heard about this? Summer of Soul? No, tell me. Okay, so back in 1969, there was a month-long musical festival in Harlem. Oh, yeah. It was very very similar to Woodstock. There was a movie made of, about it. It was never released because of a lot of different uh, political and civil rights controversies. Um there's the controversies. I mean, uh, if you've seen the newest, the latest movie that was a really good one, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, a lot of it ties to that and the, the Black Panthers and various political activi- activists that were at this festival. Regardless, it was not released until now, and it's just been released within some additional commentary and some like follow-up interviews some 50 years later. So I can't wait to check out Summer of Soul. Last night in the Pips, a uh, key figure in that 
documentary. I only have like, I think I have seven or eight streaming services. Is it part of one of those? <laughs> it's actually in theaters right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's I went to the theater the other week. I saw Space Jam with Ellis. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, the theater, he thought it was really dark, you know. I thought, I thought, <laughs> Is this his first real life movie? Well, yeah, since a couple of years. You don't yeah, have a yeah. lot of memories before this. He's yeah, only yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I thought for a 1 p.m. showing, they could have turned the lights up a touch. You know, I don't know. It seemed dark. <laughs> you want us now? 102.9 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana Television. Brooks Nuanez in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez. going to talk some NFL, some NBA as we take you home here on a Monday. But first and foremost, I wanted to ask you this because I was thinking about this the other day. Well, we were talking about just the various, um, I guess, quote-unquote, prestigious alumni from the various high schools around Missoula. Brooks and I are both Missoula Big Sky alums. We actually have a lot of Big Sky People around in the house, Tommy Evans, our illustrious producer, is also a Big Sky alum. Ryan Tutel, former co-host of the show, Big Sky guy too. So uh, Big Sky High School must have been doing something, right? You got a couple guys out there doing good in the world. But uh, here nor there, perhaps the two best female athletes from the city of Missoula and maybe even from the state of Montana over the last 15 years were Jocelyn Tinkle and Lindsey Hall. Both of them were classmates of yours at uh, both uh, Missoula Hellgate, Missoula Big Sky, Hellgate Middle School, Big Sky High School, and then the University of Montana as well. And I found it uh, sort of fitting. I have no idea if they even have a, a personal relationship now or not, but I found it fitting that those two now both make their return to Missoula, Jocelyn as an assistant coach for Brian Holsinger on his staff, and Lindsey Hall as an assistant um, on the University of Montana track and field staff as well. And so uh, two of the best to ever do it in the Garden City return to the Garden City. And uh, so I know that during your high school life, Brooks, some of the most exciting moments that came from being a student at Big Sky came from back-to-back state championships for the Big Sky girls basketball team or uh, basically Lindsey Hall winning the Class AA state championship in track her senior year by herself. I believe it is still the all-class record for points in a single meet. I believe she scored more than 60 and uh, led Big Sky to uh, a, tr- a track championship as well. So d- just your memories of, of those young ladies when you were in high school. Yeah, I mean, I watched them do sports their entire lives from K through 12. And, um, you know, wonderful people also on on and off the field. And really cool that they're back in Missoula. But, yeah, I mean, Jocelyn was a dominant force. You know, she was one of the most impressive prep athletes, I think, in Montana history. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's probably even close. But Lindsey Hall was right there, too. I mean, one of the most dominant track athletes I have ever seen. You'd go to meets, and it wasn't... I always, when I first started long jumping, mm-hmm. I was going, I was trying to calculate marks in my head. I was relatively new to track of, can I jump farther than Kiara Graham and Lindsey Hall? And <laughs> the, ch- the chances are probably no. I'd say she out jumped me in about my first 10 meets. Um, you know, she's jumping right under 19 feet, the long jump, you know, as a junior, senior in high school, pretty darn impressive. So really cool that they're both back here. Um, I don't think it was pandemic driven, but you know the things a pandemic will do. Uh, Montana University of Montana is very lucky to have both of them. They will be outstanding ambassadors first and foremost for the Montana Grizzlies, and uh, really cool to have them back in the Treasure State. Here's what we're gonna do: take one more break. Big trade in the NBA today. Miami Heat got a new point guard. Uh, the Green Bay Packers may or may not have a quarterback. I'm still unsure about that, but. As we've been a common theme on this show, quarterbacks and their teams getting divorced, it's not as uncommon as you might think. So we're going to talk NFL and NBA here with Brooks Nuanas as we take you home on a Monday. Keep it right here, ESPN Missoula. 
Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's the one is now. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. winding down but the optimism for the day and for the month is that college football is on the horizon we've been talking all things college football here on Nuanas now all afternoon if you miss anything in it or from it check it out on the podcast you can find that on all your various podcast hosting platforms podcast is proudly presented by sports bet montana blackfoot communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. The Olympics is in full force. Week two underway. The swimming is finished, which is unfortunate because some great storylines out of the swimming uh, this year from Lydia Jacoby, uh, the awesome 17-year-old who sent Seward, Alaska to the moon and back, pure pandemonium to uh, Caleb Dressler and his impressive performance. Michael Phelps-esque, dare I say, five gold medals for Caleb Dressler, uh, including one of the great legs on the relay to uh, hawk the British team and extend the United States' uh, streak in that. It's been awesome watching the swimming. Katie Ledecky proved that she's not done yet either. She won her third straight gold medal in the 400-meter free, and uh, she said, I'm not done yet. So a lot of great storylines out of swimming, but now track and field in full force as well. Can't wait to watch particularly some of the female track and field athletes, uh, Allison Felix, Sydney McLaughlin, and others. If you want to check out the Olympics, or any other sport, whether it's the NHL, Major League Baseball, the NFL, upcoming college football. Silver Slipper has it on for you. Slipper has 55 TVs to watch sports on, so no matter who you root for, who you want to watch, the Slipper will have it on for you. They have drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team at the Silver Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. So stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. They're across the street from Walmart on Brooks. You can check them out for all their daily drink specials every single day on Facebook as well. So go check out the Silver Slipper today. Brooks, first and foremost, I know that we've been beating this dead horse, but it is a compelling one because I think there's a lot of different elements that go into it. Aaron Rodgers has not stopped talking this entire offseason. The most recent news was him basically uh, degradating Green Bay in a statement while also saying, I'm ready to roll. I'm actually going to be a Packer, and uh, let's make a run of the Super Bowl. Just your thoughts on the Aaron Rodgers saga because it has been quite a saga so far this offseason. You know, it's hard to say that I, I love it, but it's also... Is it calculated, though? Because I think he's so doing... calculated. He, I mean, he's doing this to parlay himself into a career after this current career ends, right? Uh, it's true, but I think he... I think... I don't know if, if he'll 
I think he will play for a team besides the Packers. I think that's what he wants. I think that a lot of these guys now in the in the era of massive free agency, in the sure. era of player empowerment, you get to see these guys who move to these cities and just have so much fun. You get sure. to watch a guy like Tom Brady go to Tampa Bay. He's probably just enjoying his life so much. Yeah. It's not Foxborough. It doesn't snow very much in Tampa Bay, if you didn't know. <laughs> you, watch the, you watch guys go work their way to try to go from, from from New York City or the New York area to L.A. because they want to be a part of it. Russell Westbrook just did it right now, trying to get his way back home to L.A. and be empowered by the L.A. scene. So I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to finish his career in Green Bay. I also think that for the amount that he has been, quote-unquote, screwed over by uh, the front office and the lack of of draft picks on the offensive side. I mean, look, he forced them to go get Randall Cobb, who's probably like 45 years old, just so that you could have <laughs> someone that he enjoys playing with, let alone, I mean, the the cut, the cabinet has been dry. The cupboard's been dry I, for Aaron Rodgers. I, I get that notion, but he also has played it up, and it's also a product of everyday football fans not understanding that there's more than just positions that play fantasy football on the football field. For every time that you can... Uh, bemoan the fact that the Packers haven't drafted a uh, wide receiver in the first round, you could also counter that argument with the fact that the Packers have had among, if not the best offensive line in football. Yeah, like David Bakhtiari. When was he drafted, Colter? That fourth round. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. It is true. But regardless, I think Rodgers, if he if he really was the GOAT, he would just overcome all of this and do it on his own. I, th- I think that the, uh, the making excuses is tiresome. Overcome what? All of it, like winning the NFL MVP, would that be enough? <laughs> That's right. It is true. To, to get a quarterback drafted in the first round and then go win the MVP, it's pretty tough. Pretty tough draw. It is interesting saga. We will continue to follow it because, of course, our uh, illustrious leader here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, the single biggest Green Bay Packers fan on planet Earth. Brooks Nuana is in studio with me. Nuana is now just a couple more minutes as we take you home here on a Monday. Uh, Kyle Lowry. Traded today to the Miami Ooh, Heat. Oh, buddy. What a good thing. Uh, Lowry is such an interesting analysis because he's undeniably good. He's really good. He leaves something to be desired sometimes, but then he doesn't. He was this always going to melt down in big moments in the playoffs guy until all of a sudden he wasn't, and he was probably the number two factor of why the Toronto Raptors won the NBA Finals. Then he sort of got left high and dry, and the the Raptors went away from Kawhi Leonard, who, by the way, also opted out of his deal, and now Kawhi Leonard, not a Los Angeles Clipper, but rather a free agent. So that could be the next domino in the NBA to fall. All that said, though, Lowry to the heat, even though I am sort of lukewarm on Kyle Lowry in general, I love Kyle Lowry to the heat because he's a cerebral guy, he's a tough guy, He's going to buy into what Eric Spolster wants, but he also fits their roster incredibly well. Oh, he does. I love that fit. And we, I, a lot of people in the NBA circles talk about heat culture, and it's not Eric Spolster, it's Pat Riley. And heat culture has to do with this like gritty toughness. You take Kyle Lowry, who is the king of taking charges, let alone... When you talk about him melting down the playoffs, I thought it was that maybe he didn't rise up enough. I don't know if he necessarily sure. melted down. I think Kyle Riley... Lowry's ceiling, video game rating-wise, is like a 92. It's just right. not a 99. And it... He gets overshadowed by some of the biggest stars the game's ever seen. But you take Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo, I mean, what a dynamic 
quote-unquote big three when you have tiered throughout the front court as well as Jimmy can play in the front and, and in the back court. I love that fit for Kyle Lowry, especially because they're going to keep Duncan Robinson, it sounds like. So that means they'll probably, Tyler Hero. They'll probably have to lose Tyler Hero. Mm. This sign-and-trade is still working out the details. Mm. So they're going to set three years for $30 million is exactly what the market value for Kyle Lowry, but he kind of got to pick his team. Um, I thought the Raptors played it really well because during the trade deadline, Kyle Lowry was available to many teams, but the Lakers wouldn't throw in enough pieces. The Clippers wouldn't throw in enough pieces. Kyle Lowry, the Raptors played it just right to say none of these teams can sign him in free agency. So now we will have the leverage to let him pick where he wants to go as well as we'll get to pick the players off that roster. I don't think the Heat will have to lose their entire roster like the Lakers did with Westbrook, and they're going to get a better player, in my opinion, a more winning player in Kyle Lowry. The biggest news of the previous week coming out of the NBA draft was the deal that sent Russell Westbrook back home. He's officially a Los Angeles Laker at long last. I would have loved this move if it happened 10 years ago. <laughs> I I don't like it now, and it has nothing to do with Russ. It just has to do with roster construction. I think that Anthony Davis is the best complimentary player LeBron James has ever played with. He compliments LeBron James's talent better than anybody, and vice versa. I think Russell Westbrook does nothing but throw a gigantic wrench into the way the Lakers are going to operate. Thank God I never have to watch Kyle Kuzma in uh, Los Angeles Lakers jersey oh, again. Goodness. Uh, but, I mean, I was never in on Kentavious Caldwell Pope or Kyle Kuzma. Those guys, see you later. They're good rotation players. They're fine. But at Montrez Harrell, here's the thing about LeBron, though. Not to, we, we're, we're up against it, so we don't have enough time to hash this out fully. But as soon as LeBron and James decides you are not for him, you don't have a high enough basketball IQ, or you take dumb shots, or you don't rotate properly on defense, it's over. It's over. He, you cannot play with him because he will make your life miserable. LeBron James is the greatest teammate in the NBA until he's not. He's the worst teammate in the NBA because he will get you traded. You know, he's not scared to trade Russ either. The thing is, <laughs> that LeBron, LeBron had to give this the okay, and I love the fact that I think LeBron just said, let me go get the most high-functioning, high-motored, regular-season player in NBA history, and let me kick back. Russell get us 55, 60 point. wins, and then all of a sudden, I think LeBron might be the only guy in the world that can look at Russ and be like, hey, Russ, playoff time? You're going to listen to me. I think if if that works, if Russ will say he'll listen, there's a chance it works. The experiment is going to be fascinating because what you just said is the likely scenario. And I think we'll be all the way until you get to the second round of the playoffs. And then when Russ is trying to go balls to the wall, 40 points a game, and he's shooting his stupid 18-foot pull-up jump shot, there will be a confrontation. Absolutely. And if he does not take a back seat... King James would get you shipped out of town right away. So, I, I mean, it's not as if they would actually trade him during the playoffs, but we've already seen this. I mean, there was a straight walk-off in the playoffs. LeBron was so over it by the end of his first-round series with the Suns that he didn't even shake the Suns' hands the last two games. He just walked off because he knew it was time to go on vacation. And Russell Westbrook is, is, is you know, largely considered the worst shot, shot selection in NBA history. So I think that this only works if LeBron can get to him, and I don't think LeBron does this unless he signs off on it and clearly has that conversation with Russ. Russ going back home to L.A., he's a legend. Very For few sure. guys, you know, there's Paul, the Paul Pierce, James Harden, Russ Westbrook. That's, it's a small group of guys in L.A. that really dominate that scene. And he's going to go back home, and we'll see if he can maybe put one on and put his listening ears on for the first time since kindergarten. Back at it tomorrow. Another fun in-studio guest from stem to stern. Justin Angle will join us here on Nuanas Now. We'll do a business angle, but we're also going to talk about a variety of other things as well. We have our Pepsi U sports segment uh, with a bunch of stuff about running clubs around town. And we'll have some great interviews, including Sage Brooks, outstanding Missoula Hellgate runner who's heading to Syracuse as well. So keep it right here or tune back in tomorrow, 4 p.m. It's 
Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today.